Okay. Um, so the first thing that, oh, I was going to tell you this too. <clears throat> Chris made some smart like a remark one time about me having a book from the 1950s. And the book was not written until the 70s. So. But this is my book from the 1970s. I know you can't hardly see that from here. Uh, from the 90s, I should say. This is from the 90s. Uh, the group covenant that's in the back that uh, uh, he asked us to sign the first night, I believe it was, it's dated February 8th of 1998. So it's been nearly 20 years ago. This coming February will be nearly 20 years ago. So I will tell you this, though. I don't know, you can't see that picture of Moses very well, but I can tell you from this picture to the picture on your book, uh, he's had a facelift or some sort of cosmetic surgery. He's not... <laughs> Quite as uh, quite as wrinkled now. He's done. He's done really well. He's aged well, gotten better. It looks like. The other thing I noticed, uh, except for in the new book, there's a little area each time about um, DVD notes and DVD messages. Of course, in '98 we didn't have that. That's not in our book, in my book. But everything else is in there. Um, but apparently they think uh, everybody's getting older because the font's bigger now than it was back in my... I mean, this book is 270-something pages. Mine's like 230, you know. So the font's bigger, that type of thing. So, you, yeah, you, you guys are old. I was just a pup, so I'm... So, uh, I just say that just uh, since Chris picked at me, I'm going to pick back at him a little bit. Uh, the first thing that uh, that I'd like to do as part of the review is so go to page um, 49, and that is where the unit review is down at the bottom. There's just four um, true faults and fill in the blank statements that they wanted us to re review, and um, just just a reminder. And just an encouragement to you that, you know, each unit's going to have one of these and just encourage you to, to complete those. Now, uh, I say that and then looking at Chris's book, he didn't complete it in his for week two, so I'm going to have to get onto it when he gets back. Something else I can pick at him about. But does anybody have any questions about, I, I mean, the answers are, uh, of course, false, true, false, true. Uh, God asked people to dream up what they want to do for him, and that's false. God always takes the initiative in our relationship with Him, and that's true. Know God's will by following the correct formula. We know that's false, and the moment God speaks is God's timing. That's true. And then the fill-in-the-blanks is asking God for a sign often indicates unbelief, and then um, God develops character to match assignment. So anybody have any questions or anything about, about those answers? And what's the other thing that uh, every week you get asked about? And the hint is, it's on the last page of your book. What is it? The seven what? Realities. Anybody want to volunteer to stand up and show off? Show out? No? Anybody want to do one of them? What's the first one? God is always at work around you, okay? And it doesn't have to be exactly like the word. Just 
the meaning of it's the main thing. What What's number two? One's pretty easy because not only that, it, it's the first one, so that's the one you memorize the quickest and easiest. It's also pretty short, right? So that's, that makes it easier too. What's number two? Pursue. What does he pursue? The loving relationship, love relationship with us, right? That's right. Um, and uh, the rest of that is both real and personal, but it's a love relationship. And that's some of what this unit was about, right? He, he wants an intimate relationship with us, and that's part of this. Uh, number three is uh, invite you. It's an inv- invitation, right? God invites you to join him in his work. And how does God speak to us today? Through the Holy Spirit, but what does the Holy Spirit use to speak to us? Four things. Okay. And church, okay. I heard four different answers. I guess that's right. So, okay. <laughs> All right. And what does God's invitation to work with Him always lead to? Crisis of a belief. Yeah. That's, where we, that's the one we like to skip. You know, we... Crisis is not something we like, is it? We don't want to have to deal with that. But if we have that crisis, what do we have to do then as a result? What's the next step? Yeah, we've got to adjust to meet him where he is. He doesn't adjust to meet, to come to where we are. We, we adjust to meet him where he is. And then the last one, uh, you come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. But notice it's, his work that gets accomplished is not your work. It's not what we want to do. It's his work. It, 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 you know, it's always amazed me why God cho- chooses to do his work through us. I mean, it, he could do it, you know, so much better. Uh, and, but he chooses to do that. And, uh, so it's it's just it's always been amazing to me that that he does that. Um, next thing I want to look at is uh, just in a little bit of time looking at something over these few days that uh, we've studied here. And uh, first, I look at page thirty-two. This is where I'm going to be looking at this first one. We'll go, we're going to look at something from each day. But this one is um, from page 32. Um, you see the self-centered life listed there in the one side, God-centered life on the other with those bullet points. See, this is one thing that's different in your book and my book. Mine, they were just one right on top of the other and, you know, real tiny type. And yeah, so he, what was in like six lines in my books, a quarter of the page in yours. So, uh, but anyway... You see those. You see the self-centered life. You see God-centered life. But if you had to summarize uh, it in just a one sentence, what would you say the difference is between the self-centered life and the God-centered life? What What's the conclusion of that? Well, God can do what you can do. Okay. Any others? Put God first. Who's in control, right? All those are good. 
and let go let go and let God, right? I put down, you know, one difference is, uh, all those are good, all those are right, but one of one thing that I wrote down as a summary was, you know, a self-centered life is our agenda. And a God-centered life is God's agenda. You know, what what are we trying to accomplish? Well, we're, when we have, are in control and are doing a, using, uh, having a self-controlled life, self-centered life, we want to accomplish our agenda. And our agenda may actually be good. Like, you know, a lot of times we want God to help us out with it, right? We got a good agenda. And God, if you'll just help me with it, we can get this thing, you and me, we can get this thing done, you know. God says, I got a great agenda, <laughs> And I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you, if you'll just be God-centered, I'll let you help me work through this, and it'll be perfect then. It won't, it won't be just uh, a good deal, it'll be a great deal. So those are all good, that's, that's right. Um, page 33, you gave an example, on, um, I believe it's 3A and 3B. He's got uh, verses there from King Asa uh, in Chronicles, Second Chronicles, about King Asa. And uh, 3A said, he prayed, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this vast army. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. And that was in Second Chronicles 14, 11, and um, then in Second Chronicles 16, 1 through 3, it says, King Asa and Judah were being threatened by by Shah, the king of Israel. Asa sent gold and silver from the temple in his own palace to Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, asking for his help in this conflict. And of course, what he's showing there, the first one is he was being God-centered in that case, and then the second, he was being uh, self-centered, right? So, uh, how how is King Asa an example of both? How can that be? I mean, I say, how can he be an example? He is an example of both. So, I mean, what does that tell you? I guess I should say, what does that tell you that can happen to us? Hmm? We can lose our focus, You're right? Just because we're self or God-centered at one point in our life, if we don't stay close, we can lose that and we can become self-centered later on and I I look back I don't know um, when in his reign Asa served uh, was the king for 41 years in Judah and uh, I'm not sure when this first part happened when he uh, was facing the Cushite army in battle and he, he had that prayer but it's it's right after it's recorded in Second Chronicles. Right after it says he he became the king, you know, and then chapter fifteen after this incident in fourteen where he they won. Then fifteen talks about all the other great things King Asa did, all the um, idols he had torn down, and all the reforms he made and brought the nation back to God. It was a it was a great, but I, but I don't have a time reference for that. I mean, I don't know what time that was, but but reading it, you kind of seem like it's kind of early in his reign, early in his uh, time as king. 
But the second one, the Bible does tell us, said he was in his 36th year when that happened. So, you know, you would, we like to think, especially us old codgers, like to think the older we get, the more mature we're getting, the more Christ-like we're getting, the more, you know, God-like we're getting. But you know what? That isn't always true. Sometimes we've done it for so long, we start presuming upon God. We start doing it ourselves, whether we think we are or not. And we start handling things that we know we can handle, right? Um, if anybody listened to Dr. Mike Sunday night, you'll know what we're talking about. And so that happens to us, and that happened to Asa. We see that happen to him here. And then one of the, uh, I tell you, one of the most impressive stories that I've remember reading about is the story of uh, George Mueller. I don't know if anybody's read the book and everything, but I mean, it's just an amazing story what he did. And I, I know y'all uh, on day three, I believe it was, read that. And how uh, he learned to walk with God and, and, and having a relationship with God. So I guess my question here is, how did George Mueller seek God's direction for his life? I mean, it's just amazing, right, that he did all he did, dispersed millions of dollars, helped millions of orphans, you know, and left about $800 when he left. I mean, that's the goal, right? The only check you need to write that'll bounce in your life is the one to the undertaker, right? I mean, what they going to do? I mean, he got close. He did good. So... Anyway, so, so the question is, how, how did he seek God's direction in his life? What did y'all get from that? Through prayer, right? Right? Yeah. He, he really sought God's direction through prayer, right? Yep. Patiently, that's a key word. We don't like that word, do we? Never did ask for any money. Yeah, right. That's what. Yeah. With food, right? That's what it, it is. One of the most amazing stories, and and we, a lot of times, the reason we don't see God do great things is because we don't expect God to do great things, and so we. We do just what we can do on our own, you know, and it may be good stuff, it may be great, but you know what? It, it God could do so much bigger and so much better, and that that's what that story tells me. I, I like just about as much as what he did do is what he realized his uh, pitfalls were as well. Uh, you remember when he read his the thing on page uh, 40 there where, uh, where it was read the following statements by him. He said, you know what, he learned, he learned, he did make mistakes during it. I mean, he wasn't perfect, obviously. He made mistakes and he, you know, when he, one of his biggest mistakes, he said, was lack of uprightness before God. You know what he means? He, he wasn't pure of heart. He had sinned his life that he hadn't confessed. And um, when that was the case, you know, God couldn't bless that. Um, uh, and sometimes he was not, not patient. He said his impatience to wait up. Well, I think I can relate to that one for sure, you know. 
what's the old prayer? God grant me patience and give it to me now. Is that that you know kind of thing? But I'll say that I, God gives you patience with you. You know, I've never prayed for it because I've seen what He's done to people who have. <laughs> He'll give it to you anyway, so uh, no need begging for it. <laughs> huh? It does tribulation work of patience. That's right. Uh, and the other one is is preferring the counsel of men. I tell you what, if you want to, if if you want to. Uh, feel good about the direction in, in your life and what you're doing and you're doing the right things, just surround yourself by people that tell you you are and you'll feel pretty good about yourself. Um, and uh, uh, very rarely, though, will it work out. And that didn't work out, um, you know, for Asa back in when he started listening to men about how to take care of his second issue instead of going to God. So I think that's what that told me there page 42 um, asked the question how did God speak in the Old Testament prophets yeah he said various ways didn't it various ways and through prophets what are some of the various ways that he spoke hmm? angels hmm? I st- through his son in the Old Testament, that's in the Old Testament. Yeah, how did he do it in the Old Testament? What are the various ways? It said he did it very, through the prophet various ways. Yeah, burning bush, that's what. Dreams, I was going to say, dreams are big. You know, one of the issues, um, one of the hardest people groups to reach for Christianity, of course, is Muslims, right? Islam. And part of the reason for that is, if you look at it, it is is very closely um, resembles Christianity uh, or or at least Judaism very closely. So it's hard for them to make that switch. And you remember when Mike Baker speaks here sometimes and, you know, he was a missionary overseas in one of the Muslim countries. And one of the things he said was they, they have these dreams. They have dreams. You know, so you can understand that because that's how God spoke in the Old Testament. Before Jesus, that's how he spoke. So you can see how they, uh, Satan never does anything originally. So he sees that that worked for the, the Jews. God, what God did is speaking through dreams to the Jews. Hey, I'll use it over here on this false religion and it'll work just as well, you know. And uh, so, so he's a counterfeiter and is a liar, and that's what he what he's done. But that's what God did. He did use dreams as one. But uh, in the New Testament, how does he speak to us now? Through yeah, through his son, right? Um, and so how does how does God speak in our day? And of course, it's. Um, it's kind of like, that's what, let's see, the question, activity three, page 43 is, look at inside the back cover, the fourth reality, then answer the question. Of course, that's it. The, how does God speak to us today? And of course, the answer there is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses four ways, um, is, is what Blackaby is saying here. The four ways, are, when we went over the reality just a minute ago, everybody got was the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and, and the church. Um, that's why it's hard for me to, these people who uh, are, say, well, I'm a Christian, but I just don't go to church. You know, I don't, I don't go to church. Well, you're missing 
one of the ways God's trying to speak to you, you know. Um, that, that's one of the things he tries, one of the ways he speaks to you, tries to get your attention, tries to get you closer and into a relationship with him. And then on, on page 44, this will be the last uh, little one we'll look at on for this part. On page 44, you look at activities 4 and 5 up there. So what's the key in knowing God's voice? Intimate relationship, right? An intimate relationship, a love relationship. Uh, I, I think highlighted about halfway down the second paragraph, I think, uh, is what I highlighted. He wants an intimate love relationship with you. You know, I told you a while ago, it, it amazes me why God chooses to use people to do his work. I mean, that amazes me too, you know. I, I tell you what, I see how, not only do I see how uh, non-Christians treat God and treat, you know, why he would love them is beyond me. But I mean, I look at my own life. I mean, I've been in church since nine months before I was born. And I still don't know why he loves me. Because I know me. <laughs> and I know if I know me, he knows me even better. And and so it, it just amazes me um, that that that's that he he wants a love relationship, not just a any type of relationship, an intimate relationship, an intimate love relationship. Um, kind of reminds me of the uh, apostle John. You know, um, I know several years ago, probably ten years ago, so now, Mercy Me came up with a song. I can only imagine. You know, and will I dance or will I fall to my knees? And I've thought about that, you know, and I've heard some people say, man, I'm going to be running around heaven. And then I get to reading in the Bible and I get to Revelation and and John had an intimate relationship with Jesus on this earth. And he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's the one that was next to Jesus at the Lord's Supper, at the Passover Supper the last night. And Revelation, when he sees Jesus in all of his glory, what does he do? Flat, prostrate on the ground. Prostate, prostrate. <laughs> prostrate on the ground. Uh, and so, you know, I can't imagine uh, that, uh, that somebody that close to him, I can't imagine how we could do anything differently. Uh, so, and, and, and that's just just that... And he had that love relationship with him uh, while he was here on earth. And that's what he desires to have with us as we go, as we go forward. Okay, now here's the fun part. I started, you know, you don't call people, call on people, put them on a spot and all that kind of stuff. But I, I almost was tempted to call on Tommy Jurgen just because I heard him say he hadn't studied his uh, memory, he didn't know his memory verse. <laughs> Anybody want to quote the memory verse for this week? Go ahead. That's right. Okay. So, anybody still remember last week's verse? Okay. That's right. Good deal. Good deal. It's going to be real fun at the 12th week, right? Getting all... <laughs>
Yeah, got all these volunteers in week 22. I'll do those two. <laughs> uh, 12 of them? No, I think, I think I'll pass. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. Um, on page uh, 37, now I know we're skipping around, but I just, this is kind of sharing time here. Just, I'm just anx- uh, curious as to what. On page 37, there was an activity, uh, number five at the top of the page. And I'm just curious if anyone would be willing to share which box they checked and why they checked it. And the question is, how close do you think your country, which is our country, I guess Blackaby had to put that in there because he's Canadian, right? He could be run to a Canadian audience, not just us Americans. So, How close do you think America is to God's judgment? In, so what answer did you put for there? Anybody want to share? The third one, okay. Can't believe why, can't understand why God waited this long. I believe we're on the verge of a major judgment, okay. Any others? The last two? Right. Right. I will tell you, when I did this in uh, 1998, I picked number three in 1998. When I went back through it, uh, I picked number five, (laughs) too. So I I do believe we have part of it we've already seen. I don't, you know, I don't think we're in nearly into all of it for sure, but uh, I think the birth pains are there that we can see. And so... uh, so that you know, that's why I kind of mentioned while I get go that it, it's been twenty years. You know, twenty years can be a long time, but it, you know, in light of eternity, it's not that long ago, and how it's changed in in just twenty years and what we've gone through. At, right. 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 I'm, not a lot of adults know the Ten Commandments, but. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it amazes. It, that's another thing, you know. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm chasing rabbits, so I won't do that, or we won't be any earlier than Keith or Chris. So. <laughs> the other thing I want to ask about uh, at the end of each day, and uh, so you have to go back to pages thirty-four, thirty-eight, forty-one, forty-five, and forty-eight. Those those five pages at the end of each day. You know, it asks you to write one of the most meaningful statements or scriptures from that that lesson, that, from that day, you know. So out of all those that you wrote, anybody want to share the most meaningful one that they had for the week that that was meaning the most meaningful to them that, that you'd be willing to share? Okay. Another one? Somebody else have another day that stood out to them? Right. 
God never asks us to do that, but we sure do it, don't we? God never asks us to dream up something. It's like, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't have a creative bone in my body, but uh, 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 I, I do think that God does really. I think everybody really does have a little bit of creativity. Mine's just low on the scale. Some people's great creativity, high on the scale. Mine's just low on the scale. So if you don't believe it, just listen to the things you come up with for God to do. <laughs> you could be creative to get God to uh, trying to join you where you are. And um, we see that happen all, all the time. Any others? Any Any other one that? Sticks. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got me by three years. Okay, Vicky, you were going to say. <laughs> you're not trying to compete with her. You're trying, what did God tell you on day one? <laughs> right. Mission submitting to God, right? Okay. Anyone else want to share? You, good. Carol.
<laughs> That's right, right. Yeah. He does still speak. Right. That's right. That's right. Right. The fifth day. Right. The moment God speaks is the time he wants you to respond to him. What someone has said, I don't know who said this, but it's accurate. Uh, Delayed obedience is disobedience, right? So the moment he tells you to do something, you know, you should do it. Um, And not later, not pray about it (laughs) uh, when he tells you. Now, you might have to pray about it if he hadn't told you yet. He, He may have to work through these other circumstances to do it, but uh, or other people and circumstances and his word to, to do that. But if he's told you, then um, he expects you to do it and to do it right away. Um, I, I, I mean, it, I'll never will forget one, one of the things. It haunts me to this day um, where, where I missed an opportunity to do that one time. Janet and I were in Walmart in Anderson, I believe it was. We had just checked out. And we were getting our stuff ready to go and there was a lady behind us with a small kid or two, I can't remember now. And I looked back and I saw what they were getting and I knew that they were struggling, you know. And just as plain as could be, God told me to pay for their stuff, you know. I don't know how much it was. It wasn't going to be much. I could tell by looking at it. You know what I did? I turned around and left the store, grabbed my stuff and left. I didn't do it. And I, I can't tell you how many years ago that's been, but to this day, that haunts me because God spoke to me clearly, plainly, and I didn't do it. And uh, when I'm called to an account for that, I don't have an excuse, you know. Uh, well, we never... That's another. We don't ever have an excuse. Uh, we don't ever have reasons. We have an excuse, and uh, excuses won't work. And I don't. I don't have a reason for having done that. I don't have an excuse for having done that. And um, I'm sure it's going to come up again, <laughs> one of these days. Okay. Um. Out of all these things, I guess just take a moment if. Uh, everything that's done, I mean, I think part of just going through this, most meaningful statements could be this. Now, maybe this may be a duplication. Um, but is there any uh, anything special that God's done in and through your life this week that you've noticed because we started doing this study? Any Anything special where God's been at work and you say, hey, you know, I probably wouldn't have noticed that before. and But I now notice it because I'm I'm more attuned to it.
Right, right. It, right. You realize that was being self-centered, not God-focused and God-centered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> I've, I've been thinking about it. You know, if I ever had to do another job interview, I could always put that down as one of my strengths. <laughs> I'm pretty good at being self-focused. <laughs> right. Right. One thing about um, <clears throat> going through this again after having done it nearly 20 years ago and using the same book. There's some good things and some bad things about that. Some of the good things are I can see how I have matured from my answers 20 years ago to where I am today. I can see some things where God has, has molded me and, and, and done things. Uh, but the flip side of it is, I can also see how I was like Asa, King Asa. I can also see where 20 years ago, in certain areas, like, wow, I, I've regressed a little bit. I'm, I'm not as, as close as I was at one point in this area, at one time in this area. At one time, I was much closer. And I got to think, you know, why is that? And I think it's, you know, you take it for granted sometimes. I think, I mean, I, I mean that's one of the things when, when you're married. You know, after you've been married a long time, you start kind of taking each other for granted sometimes. If, you're not, if you don't work on it and, and really think about it, you just assume they're always going to be there. They're always going to do this thing because they've done it before, blah, blah, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so sometimes you just take them for granted. And you really shouldn't do that with your spouse and you shouldn't do it with God. You shouldn't take it for granted. It's like uh, I remember my dad <clears throat> told me when uh, one of his favorite things when, when I got married, he said, son, he said, I'm going to tell you, he said, getting married is like getting in a bathtub with hot water. He said, once you get used to it, it ain't so hot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I feel like that's the way our relationship is <laughs> with God, right? We, we get used to it. And it's not so hot anymore. We don't keep, we don't keep it hot. You've got to keep adding hot water into it to, to make it work. And uh, sometimes we don't do that um, in our relationships with each other, uh, spousal relationships, or any, or any human relationships. And we, and we certainly don't do that with God at all the time like we should. Um, it, it's, it's rare that we can... Uh, Always grow and never take a step back. So, Okay, next to the last thing here. Look at there, 721. I'm telling you, those people in choir are going to be on time. Dave's not going to fuss. Janet's going to be out of the nursery. Go get your kids. Um, next week, the, the encourage, just encourage you to look at... Um, uh, it, and, and looking at Unit 3 next week, pay special attention to the worship assignment on Day 3. Uh, it's Activity 2 on page 60.
uh, it, talking about <clears throat> finding time to get away and walk and talk to God, okay? By yourself, walk and talk to God. And uh, out loud is preferable. And I, re- I will say this, I remember from 20-something years ago, this was one of the most special times uh, when you do that, if you can get away and do it. Uh, nobody else around, not your spouse, not your dog, not anything to go walk with. Don't try to walk your dog while you're doing this. But find some place. I remember 20 years ago, I walked a track over at Wren late one night when nobody else was there, you know, and it, it was great. I'm glad nobody else was there because I I don't know what I was doing talking to myself out there walking around the track, but uh, but um, find a place, you know. Church parking lot's great. It's a good lap around the parking lot now with the back, back parking lot and up around the cemetery. Now, if you get up around the cemetery and they start talking back, I'd consider walking a little faster. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, okay. Anybody have any uh, questions, comments, or rude remarks they'd like to make before we leave? Okay, is it a rude remark or just just a comment? Okay. Right. Great. Right. Well, good. Good deal. Well, we're glad you're here. For at least a month. <laughs> okay. Anything else? Anyone else? Okay. Well, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we do want to uh, just come to you tonight, Lord, and, and thank you for putting up with us, Lord, and uh, help us to, or, or point out, help us to acknowledge and, and see when we're being self-centered and not focused on you, when we're not moving in concert with you and, and Lord, um, helping you get your will done because you've asked us to do that. You've chosen to do it through, through us humans. Well, we may not understand it, but we know that you're the master. We're the slave. and We don't have to understand it. We just, we just have to do it. And Lord, we, uh, we pray that we can do that more, do that better. Help us to have that close, intimate, loving relationship with you. Lord, that not only that we desire to have with you, but Lord, that amazingly you desire to have with us. Again, all the prayer requests we had tonight, Lord, that's been lifted up, we just, we just again ask you to, to bless those that are in need of a blessing, heal those that are in need of a healing, and comfort those that are in need of comfort. And Lord, all this we ask in the precious name of your Son and our Savior, the one we love and adore. Amen.